of a practical nature about God using the unusable. And we're going to pick up on that same general idea. Last week's thought came from verse number 1. Let's read that together just to refresh our memories. Isaiah 54 verse 1, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Historically, you're talking about Sarah, Hagar, Abraham, and that situation. But prophetically, you're talking about the nation of Israel, the hardships that they've gone through. They're experiencing shame, widowhood. God has temporarily turned his back on them. We looked at those verses last week, verse 6, 7, 8, and on. But one day, God has promised that that barren nation is again going to bring forth fruit. And today, what we're going to focus our attention on is verse number 2. Because of that promise, God says to do this in verse 2. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. We're going to spend our time today in verse number 2. But would you please bow your heads with me and join me in a word of prayer. Father, today we... We are thankful for so many things, but above all, that Jesus loves even me. Lord, thank you for these wonderful things we can sing about. When we think about sending the light to the uttermost part of the earth, that's what we're preaching about today. Father, please uh, open our eyes to that. Touch our hearts. Speak to us. Lord, might we be shaken by the voice of the Lord today. Please fill me with your spirit and help us now to have ears to hear. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've talked about the doctrinal and prophetical. In verse number two, we're going to keep it very practical, and we're going to talk about what to do with this tent. The name of this sermon, we, the series was called The God of the Whole Earth. Remember that from verse five, that, that Jehovah is to be the God of the whole earth. Last week, we talked about how God can use the unusable. Today, we're going to talk about the tent of the gospel. You can see where I'm getting this from verse number two, the tent of the gospel and what our responsibility is uh, surrounding that tent. Last week when we talked about God using the unusable, I want to keep that thought fresh in your mind. I don't want you to think that because perhaps you haven't been saved very long, maybe you don't understand how to be involved in missions, God can use anyone if they're willing to be used. If they, if they will submit to what the Lord is doing in their heart. We talked about it last week, how if somebody will abide in Christ, then the promise is fruit will come. If you abide in Christ, not just be saved, but walk with him. Just let your eyes go back one chapter. 53, look at chapter 53, verse 2. This wonderful chapter is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. Now, once again, he's talking about the nation of Israel and how the lovely Lord Jesus grows up out of that dry ground. You wouldn't expect Israel to bring forth something so wonderful. Amen. But this is true also of me. I was the dry ground. My life had nothing to offer. I was completely barren in that I could not bring forth fruit unto God. There was nothing I could do that would be profitable to him. But once Jesus comes in, then fruit, something can grow even out of this dry ground. He changes the ground, if you will. Do you agree with me on this, that if God says something, he will do it? You agree with that statement? If God says it, he will do it. Right? 
God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it, shall he not do it? Hath he, hath he spoken, shall he not make it good? God will do something that he says he's going to do. How about this? If God commands us to do something, do you believe that you can do it? If God says, I want you to do this, that means you are capable of doing it by his grace. Now, we have little problem, I say, as, as Bible-believing Christians, we don't struggle to say amen about God keeping his promise. But when then God gives us a command, we should also look at that and say, God is never going to command me to do something I cannot do. God, in verse 2, says, enlarge. He says, stretch forth. He says, spare not, lengthen, strengthen. These are things that we can do. Watch this in verse number 3. For thou shalt break forth on thy right hand and on thy left. He said, Israel, fruit's coming. Fruit's coming. So how about we do this? Just take God at his word. He said, fruit is coming. So before the fruit comes... Before we get to verse 3, we start making preparations in verse 2. And we say, God has commanded us this great commission to take the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. That means we can be involved in that. God can use this local church. He can use you as an individual to bring forth fruit unto his glory. What do we do? We preach the gospel, we plant, we water, we pray, we abide in Christ, we, we give him our utmost, we yield to the spirit of God, and the Bible says some plant and some water, but God gives the increase. Now how much and how long that will take is up to God. You don't need to worry about that. You just stay as close as you can to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, you said you can use me. I believe that. You said that we should take the gospel to the uttermost parts. Now you commanded it, Therefore, it is possible. So I'm going to do whatever I can. We are going to do what we can to see that happen. We ought to believe the promises before they are fulfilled. There are way too many Thomases in churches today. right? I'll see it. I'll believe it, rather, when I see it. You know what Jesus said to Thomas? Blessed are they that have believed even if they haven't seen. So here's what we do. Before we get to verse 3, let's get busy with verse 2. We don't need to see the fruit happening. Let's get busy preparing for the fruit in verse number two because we believe that God has given us this command. He'll take care of the increase in his time. Here are five things from verse number two we want to look at today. First of all, enlarge the place of thy tent. We're just going to work through the verse phrase by phrase, but it didn't say enlarge the tent, not at the beginning. The first thing he says is enlarge the place of thy tent. Now we're going to stretch forth the tent in just a minute, okay? The tent's going to get bigger, but how can you, why would you make the tent bigger if you don't have any place to put the tent? Doesn't that make sense? First you have to have enough open space, then you can stretch forth as big a tent as the space can manage. Before we moved to this plot, let's say yellow in Afrikaans, hiri erf. Before we came to hiri erf, you know, we have been looking, I like mixing that in every now and then. I like to get a quick Afrikaans lesson from you in the middle of my sermons. It's, you're my free Afrikaans teachers, that's what you are. But you know, we were looking for a place to call our own for years. This, this is the culmination of a journey that's been going on at least eight years now. Our church was growing, we could see that the Lord was solidifying this work, and we started looking all over town. 
We started asking real estate agents. We'd go to empty plots and find the owners and ask, is it available? We'd go to churches that are half empty, maybe fizzling out. Can we please buy your church building? Which didn't go over well with some of the duomenes. But we, we, we tried. We looked. Listen, here's what I'm saying to you. We looked. If you're going to find a place for your tent, listen, you got to look. Look. We looked all over town. We looked before we could enlarge. So here's my first point. Work with me on this a little bit. If he says enlarge the place, that means I need to look for a place. If I'm going to look for a place, I need to have vision. Are you with me on that? I need to have my eyes wide open looking for the proper place where I can put that tent. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples. In John 4, Jesus said, Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, listen, lift up your eyes. Do you guys know what he said next? And look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. There were a bunch of Samaritan men coming towards Jesus, and he was drawing the disciples' attention to those men, saying, guys, don't you see... The farmers are telling you it's four months to go before the harvest comes in. But look, these guys are coming looking for gospel truth right now. Don't you see there's a harvest? Don't you have this vision? Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. What happens too often is we get stuck looking out our window. And, and, and we, we're, we're sitting here in the church. We look out the window and we say, but there's, there's not enough I just see that far. I just see that far. And we think the world is as big as Pachastru. You guys know that's not true, but we limit our vision. We limit our vision. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. So the places you forget to think about, the places you forget to let your spiritual eyes wander to, those places are perishing because no one's laboring in those fields. We're too busy looking out the windows of our own place. Rather than saying, let's look and see where are some fields that need the gospel's attention and what can we do about those fields. If we're going to enlarge the place, we've got to have some vision. We have to look on the field. Jesus said this in Matthew 13, the field is the world. This is why this coming Saturday, we're going to set up tables representing various nations from all over the world to bring those nations right in front of you so that you can see it and remind you that there are millions, yea, billions of people in various places that don't have what you have. They don't have a Bible-believing church. They don't have gospel witness there. We want to increase your vision. Jesus did this for the uh, apostles. The apostles, in, in Acts chapter 1, before Jesus went back to heaven, you know what they said? Will thou at this time establish the kingdom here in Israel? Will you give us back our kingdom? You know what they were doing? Looking through their own window. Can we have our stuff right here for us? And Jesus said, listen, you guys, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you're going to have power to be witnesses unto me, both in, Jeru in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus enlarged their vision. That's the first step, is seeing that there is a need beyond your current place. So before we get to the tent... We have to first enlarge the place. I told you last week about William Carey, the father of modern missions. Shortly after he got saved, he was 
praying and thinking on this passage of scripture. And he got to verse five where it said, the God of the whole earth shall he be called. And William Carey, it came to his mind, God is not the God of Englishmen. He's the God of the whole earth. God is not only God in England or in South Africa or in America. He wants to be in a loving relationship with anybody from anywhere. He's the God of the whole earth. And William Carey's vision got enlarged. And from that point on, he was nonstop pointed toward getting the gospel to the uttermost parts. And that brings us to the next thing. Stretch forth, he says. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Let them stretch forth the curtains. Uh, the curtains are what the tent is made of. This isn't deep. You understand this. A tent, the whole structure is made up of these curtains. Let them stretch them forth. When you stretch forth the curtains, what you're doing is providing structure. I'm asking you to work with me a little bit here. You understand we're providing structure? Not all tents have walls. You get that, right? Sometimes it's just providing a, a roof. Right? Not all tents have walls. Especially the bigger ones often don't. You just stretch it out, stretch it out, stretch it out, and it provides a structure under which people can assemble. How many of you remember this saying or have you heard this saying? Maybe some of you guys have said this saying. My roof, my rule. Okay, you know that saying. My roof, my rules. As soon as you enter under somebody's roof, you are entering under their structure. And I don't mean just the physical building, but they have an orderly system for running things under that roof. So part number two, number one, we need a vision. Enlarge the place. All right, so go looking. Where can we stretch the curtain to? But then number two, we need to have a proper curtain to stretch onto that place. I'm going to ask you to hold this and turn to Acts chapter 1. We're going to walk through the Bible quickly here. Acts chapter 1. You know what Jesus did when he came to the earth? Many, many things, but among those things, he built a church. Do you guys remember the verse in Matthew 16 where Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus built a church. In the Bible, there is something that we call the universal church. That's the body of Christ. You find Christians everywhere, all over the world, even up in heaven. Christians everywhere, universal church. But Jesus, before he built that body of Christ, that, that spiritual church, he put together a local church. He had people assembling with him. And you know what he gave them? He didn't have a tent to meet under. But you know what he gave the apostles and all of his disciples? He gave them structure. He said, gentlemen, when you come together, here's what you ought to be doing. He taught them how to make and maintain disciples. He gave them a structure to make and to maintain disciples. That's what he did while he was with them. In Acts chapter 1, I just quoted verse 8 for you. Do you see it there? He, he gives them some marching orders now. He says, guys, here's the structure. I want you to take the gospel, be witnesses unto me, unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now come to chapter 2. That's, he's giving them commandments, structure. Look at chapter 2, and let's come to verse 41. The day of Pentecost happens. The Holy Ghost comes down. Verse number 41. Then, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Well, that's a lot of people to get saved in one day. 
I don't know how many you are. I haven't counted. We're maybe 150 today. Can you imagine 3,000 piling in here? You know what we'd have? Probably some chaos. <laughs> unless, unless we had a structure, unless we knew that people are going to come in mass and, and we need to have a plan to accommodate all of those people, we would need structure. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They, they had a plan. What do we do moving forward? Let's teach these people. Let's pray together. Let's spend time together. Let's fellowship together. Verse 43, fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. They continued to minister to this crowd. Come on down to verse 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Watch what happens. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Do you see it's growing? And, and, and as it grows, their tent is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Come to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Acts 8, verse 1, it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. I'm showing you that verse. Do you see the tent getting bigger? It started in Jerusalem, and now the tent's getting bigger. The curtains are getting stretched out to Judea and to Samaria. Look at Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Acts 11 and 19. It says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution, we just read that, that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phenis and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. It says in verse 20, And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. The tent's getting bigger, but as they're going to this new place, you know what they're going to do? The same thing. Get them saved, and then start teaching and assembling, fellowshipping, all of that. It's the same structure. It's just getting bigger and bigger, going to new places. Look at verse number 22. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was at Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Do you see how Jerusalem is now connected to Antioch? It's the same tent. Barnabas is going to show up and say, let's make sure you're doing things according to the proper structure, the right plan. Verse 23, who when he came had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added unto the Lord. That's what happened in Jerusalem. Same plan. It's just getting bigger and going to different places. Look at verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. The plan's growing, but it's, it's the same plan. It's just reaching more people. Same structure. They're doing the same things. Come to Acts 13. Acts 13, verse 1. Jerusalem, Antioch, right? Now watch what happens. Verse 1. Now there were in the church that was in Antioch, 
certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Guess what Antioch's doing? Stretching forth the tent. The tent was planted there in Jerusalem, and Jesus said, Now start stretching. And those disciples said, Okay, here's what we're going to do. 3,000 saved. We're going to teach them apostles' doctrine. We're going to fellowship. We're going to pray together. We're going to sing together, assemble together, praise God together. We're going to take care of each other. That's what the church did. And when they went to the next place, they did the same exact thing in that new place. And then when it gets going in Antioch and it's going good, the sign of a healthy church is that it stretches forth its tent. The church is going well. They say, let's take it to the next place. The Holy Spirit says, you got some guys ready? Send them out. So Paul starts going all over Asia at that time, Galatia, that region, various cities. Come to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. By Acts chapter 16, he makes it to Corinth. But look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to see what Paul told the Corinthians. We're still talking about this tent. And the structure that it should provide. Can I just remind you real quick? A tent is portable. A tent is portable. It's meant to go somewhere. That's what the gospel is. It's portable. It's supposed to go somewhere. 2 Corinthians 10. Let's begin reading together. Verse 13. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we, help me with the next word, for we what? We what? What is Paul doing? He's stretching. Not like, oh, he's stretching. He's he's pulling the tent. Do you see it? For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure as though we reached not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors. But having hope, watch this now, when your faith is increased, that we shall be what? Enlarged. That's Isaiah 54. He says, we're stretching out so that you have the same structure that we have, a plan to make and maintain disciples. Evangelize and disciple them. Teach them how to act like Christ. And then once you got that down, take that somewhere else and it enlarges and enlarges and enlarges in verse 16 he says that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you that's the plan take it to the next place so we stretch and we enlarge we do this through evangelizing and discipleship come back to Isaiah 54 enlarge the place of thy tent Verse 2, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. So under this roof, these are the rules. This is how we operate. We want you to get saved, and then we want you to become uh, conformed to the image of Christ. And then we want you to go tell somebody else how to do that. That's the plan. Now the next thing, he says, spare not, lengthen thy cords. Lengthen thy cords. This naturally has to happen if the curtain's getting bigger. Then, then you're going to need a thicker stake to hold the cord, right? And you're going to need a, a sufficient cord or rope that will not snap under the tension of that large curtain. 
the cord is what's going to hold that curtain tight. Without that cord, what's going to happen? The curtain's going to fall. It doesn't matter if you have a big curtain or a little curtain. It doesn't matter. If you don't have a cord, what's the point of the tent? Don't even pitch the tent because it's just going to fall down flat like this, yes? And all of a sudden, the whole structure, no matter how beautiful the outside of that looks, as soon as you take the cord off, whoop, it just falls and it's useless without a cord. What's the cord doing? The cord is holding up the flaps. Let me say it again. It's holding up the flaps. You guys remember a story where Moses had to hold up his hands? And by holding up those hands, he was holding up the nation. And as long as his hands were up and he was holding it up, his brethren on the battlefield were victorious. As soon as his hands went down, listen, the curtain collapsed. So we say, call it curtains. Just close it up. Why? You got to have those, you got to have something holding it up. I preached a sermon to you just recently about holding the ropes. You know what these cords are? Ropes. Ropes. Now, a cord, right, if you take a, a twine and wrap it, braid it together, that becomes a threefold cord. That's what a rope is. Do you guys remember what the Bible says about a threefold cord? It is not quickly broken. We must, the larger the tent gets, our cord has to strengthen to match the needs of the curtain. So our prayers have to continually go up a notch and up a notch and up a notch. Yes, it's going to be hectic and pressure and difficult and there's going to be challenges and we're going to pray our way through them. And as soon as the cord breaks, the curtain collapses. And what's the point? If we're not going to pray for the missionaries, it's one thing to give them money, but be careful you're not buying off your conscience. Say, well, I gave a little bit of money. That should do it. We got to pray for these missionaries. We got to pray internally. God, what can we do about missions? We need a rope that is strong enough, thick enough, durable enough to hold the weight of the curtain. In, thir- in 1727, the 13th of August, a group called the Moravians gathered together for a church service, 300 of them. The Spirit of God came down so powerfully During that meeting, they just preached about the cross and the lamb. That's all they did. They didn't plan anything fantastic, but God, that there were people 30 kilometers away that said, at this time and at this day, we felt something happening. 30 kilometers away and multiple witnesses, not just one or two. They had no idea what was happening. They just knew something was shaking down there at the church. Two weeks later, the Spirit had led this group to put an emphasis on getting the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. No other group in Europe was doing it at the time. It wasn't a popular idea. They didn't have a mission board. But they had a plan. They they had the plan. They knew how to do it. Now let's get busy doing it. They started sending missionaries all over the world. North, South America, Asia, Africa, and almost all of Europe. That two weeks after that great church service, they started a prayer meeting. 27th of August, 1727. The prayer meeting lasted 100 years. Nonstop, somebody in that church was praying. Listen to what happened. 
After 65 years of those people coming together and praying consistently, every minute of every day, after 65 years, that group had already sent out 300 missionaries. But the church never grew beyond 300 members. Say, why? They kept emptying the church out. Sending out people all over the then known world. We don't have to keep the same schedule as the Moravians. We just have to have the same intensity. They held the rope and they held it really tight. We also, we can't be slack in holding the rope. We've got to hold that tight. Lengthen, he says, spare not, lengthen thy cords. So we, we get those prayers nice and tight. We hold on tight. And then the last thing in the verse, it says, strengthen thy stakes. Strengthen thy stakes. This is the, help me out, I believe, the spiker. Is that the right word? Spiker? The nail you drive in the ground? Do I have the right? No. Some of you are, a pin? A pin. Pin. A pin. A pin. A pin. I think I'm saying it. <laughs> it can't be a pin. Not to hold up a tent. It's got to be a spiker. I want something. A spiker sounds better. I want a spike. No, it's got to be a spiker. I guess it depends on what size tent you got. <laughs> Strengthen thy stakes. If you're going to have a bigger tent, doesn't it stand to reason you can't have an itty-bitty tent peg? Right? The, the pen can, cannot be yay big. If you're going to have a massive tent, you've got to have something long enough and strong enough going into the ground, right? Because it's all about depth. Listen, it's all about depth. I said it's about depth. It doesn't matter how good the stake looks. It's about how strong and how deep it penetrates the ground. Do you agree with that, church? It, it depends on how deep and how strong that thing goes. You know what Jesus said about his words? He said, my words, they're like a rock. And you can build your house on this solid rock. His words, that's the good solid footing for you. You need to drive, you, 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 go deep and strong into his words. What happens if you take a strong, long stake and drive it into sand? Will it hold the tent? No, you got to drive it into solid ground. Jesus said, my words, my sayings, that's the rock. So you go deep into his words. Are you with me? In 1 Timothy, Paul said, the church of the living God, it is the pillar and ground of the truth. You know what a, a church is supposed to do? Take the word of God, which is the truth, and, and we're a pillar. We hold it up. So everybody can see it. But in order for the church to stand strong, it has to have a good ground. The ground is like the footer. It, it, it has to have a wide, strong, well-founded base. Listen, you're the stake. Yay, yay is the pen. <laughs> I really wanted to say spiker, but that's okay. But, but you're the stake. And you, doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how pretty it sounds. Because you're just going to bury yourself deep into the solid ground of God's word and into the church that he's established. 
So, so you, you bury yourself deep, you, you become a, a committed member, a faithful and active member going deeper and deeper into a church that gives you the word, and thereby you strengthen the stake. Now, you may not like this next part, but I believe it's true. If you are a stake, how do you get that stake into the ground? Now, listen, if it's just sandy ground, if you're, if you're not going to go deep into the Bible, if you just want to go deep into feelings and emotionalism and nonsense, well, that doesn't take much effort. You just push a little bit and down you go. But next week, you'll be out. You're not getting anything done with that. But in order to get you deep into the Word and into a church that's worth being in, you know what you got to do with that? You take that hammer. Anybody know a, a good hammer? <laughs> Thy Word is like a hammer. And, and God said, okay, now hold still. You can't be moving while he's trying to get you. <laughs> and God says, that's what you need. That's what you need. Oh, you say, that's Bible bashing. Come on now. That, that's God. That's God working on you. Trying to mold you and make you into something. And, and you come to church and, and the pastor lovingly. And week after week, you get a little deeper. And then one time you go, oh, that, I didn't like that. That, that. that was your flesh saying that. Watch what happens. You know what happens sometimes? You, you, you hit that, that nail or that pen. If it's in the wrong position or if I swing wrong, you know what can happen? That thing can get bent. You know, sometimes we get bent out of shape. Something gets said, something happens. We don't like either what happened in church or something that happened in our lives. God, why'd you let this happen? And instead of allowing the hammer of God to drive us deeper in our commitment, we get bent out of shape. We're not gonna do much like that. Rather, we, we, we get oprek, we get straightened up and go, okay, God, sorry for that. All right, if you get deep into God's word, there's a good chance that the people in your life, some of them may not like those changes you've made. And rather than running from whatever persecution that is, let it drive you deeper into God's word and into God's church. Strengthen thy stakes. You'll take a few knocks for it, but don't bend, don't compromise. The best way, listen, you, you want the knocks to stop? Get deep in the ground. If I'm, dry, if I'm going around checking on stakes, making sure they're in the ground, I don't hit the stakes that are deep in the ground. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's how you can make it stop. <laughs> you get deep enough, and then we don't have to hit you there. <laughs> and then you'll know. And there's one last thing I want to point out in verse number two. Do you see it in the middle? Spare not. So you need to enlarge the place. What's that? Get a vision. Stretch forth the curtains. What's that? We need the proper structure. Lengthen the cords. What's that? Hold the ropes. Pray. What else do we need? Strong stakes. That's church members going deeper into the word. And then lastly, he says, spare not. Don't hold back. You have one life to do something about the, the tent, which is the gospel. Don't hold back. Spare not. You have one life to do something with. William Carey, shortly after he got saved, he preached from this chapter. And I want to give you just a couple of sentences from his sermon. I want him to preach to you for a moment. 
Here's what the father of modern missions has to say. He told the church that morning, uh, that morning Kettering Baptist Church, he said, rouse up from your complacency. Find larger canvas, stouter and taller tent poles and stronger tent pegs. Catch wider visions. Dare bolder programs. Rouse up and go forth to conquer for Christ even the uttermost parts and the isles of the sea. You know what the congregation did as a result of that sermon? After he said that, they sat there just like you are. <laughs> they sat there and they said, okay, that's what you think. You remember I told you last week what they thought of him. They said, you're a miserable enthusiast. If God wants the heathen saved, he'll do it. That is, they didn't listen to one thing. They sat there with no response. Carrie then gave it a moment, let it sink in, and he followed it with this line. He said, and are you, after all, going again to do nothing? And with that, his best friend, and would be his greatest supporter for the rest of his life, a man named uh, Fuller, that man, as soon as the service ended, he turned to a group of others in the church and he said, we're going to do something about this. And from that, the first Baptist Missionary Society was founded in 1792. I told you a hundred years later, there was a Baptist Missionary Society established in this land. And it was a result of this sermon. Perhaps today there's a little more depth. You can go a little deeper. Spare not. Go deeper. Perhaps there's a rope you can hold on to a little tighter. Hold on tighter. Perhaps there's another region you can go to. Go. Perhaps you can just reach forth your hand and give a track. Do it. Try. Spare not. Take that next step. Whatever that next step needs to be for you. But don't, don't run this race halfway. They that run in the race run all. Let me tell you how God did it. The Bible says, he that spared not his own son. God didn't hold back. He gave his very best for us. The least we can do is give our best for him. Let me finish today by telling you one of the most famous things Carrie ever said. In that sermon I was telling you about, he said this, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. William Carey learned Latin. He taught himself Latin at the age of 11, just by reading books. By the age of 14, he learned Greek and Hebrew, taught himself. Later on, he learned French, Italian, and Dutch, just because he wanted to. By age 17, he got saved, and despite having difficult church members all around him, and despite the British law that said no missionaries could go to India, despite his wife that said, I do not want to go, despite the fact that he had already buried one of his children. And he had a horrible skin allergy. He was allergic to the sun. Anytime he spent time outside, horrible blisters would break out. Despite all of that, he said, I must go. This is where God wants me to go. He went to India. He learned Bengali. He learned Sanskrit. He began translating Bibles into many languages and dialects there in India. And when you know it, right when he got to India, the skin allergy stopped. He was allergic to the English son, not the Indian son. 
William Carey had 41 years in India without a, without a furlough, never took a break. 41 years, he held nothing back. To this day, they still have his face on postage stamps in India. The effects that he had on that place, that God used him to change India to this day. Listen to this part. By the time he finished, he only had 700 converts. Only 700. 41 years, only 700. But listen to this number. In the 50 years after he passed, 20,000 missionaries had gone all over the world through the mission society that he helped start. I'm not worried about how much fruit God brings through me. It's not about me. If God, if God wants to just have 700 say, okay, that's, that's good, but then maybe others can stretch forth the tent peg. I'm going to invite you to pray about it in a moment. But can you hold up a tent with one stake in the ground? Can you do it with just two? The more stakes in the ground, the better. You know what we need, church? As many church members as we can saying, I'll be a stake. I'll hold a rope. Some will run with the curtain and stretch it out. But we're all playing a part in the tent of the gospel. Let's all stand, if you would, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Our pianist will come and play something softly. Today I'm pleased to offer the altar to you. It's been a while since we've been able to do that. But if you would like to come forward and pray, we have a place here that you can do that. Perhaps today the Lord has put his finger on your heart and said, that's, that's the part you can play. Maybe it's just enlarging your vision. Maybe it came right in your mind today to say, okay, you know what? It's, the gospel is bigger than just me. It's not about what I can get from it. This month we've emphasized holding the ropes and praying. Maybe you just want to recommit to that. You understand, we're, nobody's trying to bash you with the Bible. We're trying to give you a gentle love tap. Just, 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 to, just, to, like a clop, just to let you know, hey, you're, you're coming out of the ground a little bit. Get back in. Ho false. Stay in the ground. Some of you perhaps would want to come and pray and say, God, if you want me to go somewhere else and be a missionary, here I am. Send me. Say, Brother Mike, I wouldn't pray that because, you know, I'm 40, I'm 45. Moses was 80 when he got called. So we, we stop using that excuse. Perhaps you need to get a little deeper into, into the church. Stop living on the fringes. Get deep. Get involved. Get into the ground, the pillar and ground of the truth. Get in. Maybe you've been saved five, ten years and still not really good with your Bible. Get deep. Go deep in it.
Friend, if you've never been saved, today I've been talking about how we can take the gospel to other people. We'd love to take it to you. So if you're here this morning and you haven't been saved, just after the service, you're welcome to come and find me. Say, Pastor, I'd like to talk to you for a moment. I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'd be honored to show you how you can know that you are saved. Father, I want to thank you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for so many things. We get to have church in this new place. This was exciting. But Lord, we have a building. What we need is a tent. Lord, help us to see this tent for what it is. This is your design. Please use us. Show us as a church. Where's that next place we need to go? Help the stakes in this church to hold down the fort. Lord, help those that are prepared to run with it. Lord, help them to stretch it out. Father, please, what we've heard today, let it sink deep into our hearts. Help us to do something with it, especially as this next week approaches. Show us how we can help this this great commission. Father, we love you. We thank you for sending your son, for not sparing him, but giving him on our behalf. Dismiss us now with your blessing, please. In Jesus' name, amen.